I, the Lord had been dealing with me about these particular um, components, and I want to talk to you tonight about components of a million-dollar mission. And these things don't just translate to accomplish the million-dollar mission, but they are things that we must constantly implement in our, in our lives. Now, this is not the full list of things that we need to implement, but these are the things that the Lord was dealing with me about and lo and behold brother arthur sent me this video and he said hey watch this quick video this is a, a good explanation in case you want to share it with your church and i'm watching there and he's talking about consistency and commitment and faith and and all this stuff and those are some of the components that i'm going to talk to you about tonight i have a lot of uh, a scripture and uh and i want to go through some of these this this is um basic when you talk about the actual uh, subject and the topic you know, of faith, yeah, we know what faith is. Oh, yeah, we know what that is, whatever. But I think it is particularly important uh, based on where we are as a church, and I believe that next year is going to be our, our greatest yet. I am so excited about the things that we already have planned for next year that we'll be sharing with you very soon, hopefully in a, a vision service. So on the topic of faith, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse, verses 28 and 29, when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? It was a question. Believe ye that I am able to do this. Now, to my knowledge, we don't have any blind people here tonight. And this, um, not yet, is a healing service. But I am reading these scriptures in the context of the million-dollar mission. I'm talking about components of the million-dollar mission. So the question is, do you believe that the Lord is able to do this? Do you believe that the Lord is able to? To do this. This is something we cannot do, but do we believe that he can do it? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. The promise that you make to God is going to be according to your faith. Now, we always talk about the fact that we move from faith to faith. And if you have a little bit of faith and a small vision and whatever, uh, then your faith promise will be uh, smaller than somebody else's or it will be smaller than it should be, even in your own life. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves, um, but it's going to be according to your faith. In Matthew chapter 17 and 20, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed... You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, everybody say nothing, shall be impossible to you. Nothing shall be impossible possible to you. Now, if you've ever wanted to see a miracle, sometimes we pray for the sick, and for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. And it should happen every time. Now, I don't believe it's a God problem. It's a faith problem. Uh, and sometimes we pray for things that we think we're supposed to have and then it doesn't happen. We pray for that raise and it doesn't come when we think it was uh, supposed to come and we get a little frustrated. But, but 
if you think that the Lord will not supply to you things to send to the uttermost parts of the earth, you haven't read the same Bible that I'm reading. Nothing, everybody say nothing, shall be impossible unto you. But our faith has to be as a grain of mustard seed. And of course, the principle is it's the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest of all herbs. It is the least of all seeds, but it is the greatest of all herbs. In Matthew 23 and 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Here's the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. The weightier matters of the law are judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, these ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. And so these three components are very important, one of them being faith. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto, unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? The rebuke came because of the examination of their faith. Now, we're called greater faith, and we preach faith around here a lot, and, and I feel like that our faith is growing all the time, but we have to be intentional about the growth of our faith. We have to challenge our faith. We have to put God sometimes in a place where it's like, okay, I can't do this. You're the only one that can do this. And I've got the faith to believe that you can, that you can do it. When I announced that uh, Sunday night, that was what the Lord told me uh, was the goal, was the vision to cast. Uh, but I'm pretty positive. Matter of fact, I am positive that it is not going to take five years for this church to give a million dollars to mission. I believe that. In Mark 11 and 22, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Everybody say, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. How will it happen? Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. As long as there is a little doubt, there is not enough faith. Have faith in God. He said, if you believe and you shall not doubt in your heart and shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So the question is, if he's saying whatsoever things that you desire, have you ever desired to be a blessing beyond measure to the nations of the world. Have you ever desired to do that? Man, I wish I, wish I could do something that just makes a difference. I, 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 just, I just wish that I could, you know, they're building a school in, in Bangladesh. I wish I could just build a school in Bangladesh. Well, you can't build the whole school, perhaps, because it's almost built, but, but they have a good amount of work to do. But you can help to finish the school there in that nation. I, man, I wish I could go and have a million soul revival in India 
Well, if God calls you to India, perhaps you can. But if he doesn't call you, call you to India, then you can have a part in a million. Can you imagine a million soul revival? That's a vision. A million soul revival in the nation of India. How many of you believe the Lord can do that? So he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Luke uh, 8 and 25, he saith unto them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water and they obey him. Where is your faith? The Lord is asking that question right now. Matter of fact, the next, uh, the next passage in Luke 18 and 7 and 8 um, is a very important question for our time. Shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. What a time that we're living in. Where fear has overcome the world. We feel like we're past it now and that's wonderful. But there was some some months there where I mean people were terrified. Spirit-filled Jesus name people were terrified. So if you think this is a simple question, when he comes back, will he find faith in the on the earth? It's not a simple question. We have seen that one event can suck the faith out of the earth and people give in to fear and terror. So where is our faith? Where's our faith, greater faith? We, yes, we still believe for that building. We're not pivoting away from that. We're not pivoting away for a building from Louisville Central, for Louisville Central and for Jeff. And we're not pivoting away from... Uh, one equals 50, and we are 10,000. We're not pivoting away from that. What we are doing is going beyond that and saying, hey, I believe God's going to do that, but we can do this right now. We can participate in this right now. Amen. And you just thank you, seen Goshen Reports. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. According to the proportion of our faith. The gifts of the Spirit require faith to operate. You've got to have faith to believe that was God that you heard, that word of knowledge, that word of wisdom, that, that prophetic word that came on you, that gift of faith that's empowering you, that working of miracles that you feel, that boldness that's on you, that tongues and interpretation. A lot of people have faith to give the tongues. They don't have enough faith to give the interpretation. I've seen that many, many times. The gifts of the Spirit need faith to operate. So I dare you to prophesy over the world and your part in it. I dare you to let the Lord empower your faith in what you desire, and let the spirit of prophecy come on you to prophesy what the Lord is going to do through you. Vision. Everybody say vision. Faith and vision. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield 
and thy exceeding great reward. The Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him in a vision. Now, this is Genesis chapter 15. And if you read down further in the scripture, uh, you find that this is the place where he takes uh, two turtle doves and a young pigeon and a heifer of three years and a she-goat and so forth. And he divides them and uh, he waits and the crows or the uh, birds come and he's driving the fowls away and the Lord at some point comes and passes between the pieces. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. There was an establishing of the covenant. So there is a vision and then there is a sacrifice that is offered. And a covenant is established with you. I learned in scripture that there are different levels of covenant. Now I'm not proposing that there's more than one salvation. I'm not proposing that there's more than one Calvary and that there's, there's more than one way to get to heaven or whatever. But I believe with every level of faith, just like with Abraham, there is a new agreement between you and the Lord that he makes with you. There are some things that the Lord cannot add to us until our faith and our maturity, our spirituality reaches a certain place. And so we have to have the vision for it. This past Sunday night was the vision, this church's vision for world missions. Everything that we have projecting, been projecting uh, about the future complex and, and campuses and all of that, that is vision. That's not something that we dreamed up after eating some kind of strange food. It's something that we heard in prayer, that the Lord spoke in prayer. The word of the Lord came in a vision. And then we get up behind the pulpit and say, here is the vision. So when faith and vision come together, it's a powerful combination. I want to ask you a question. Do you have, has the Lord given you a vision for your life? I got one, come on, and then one amen reluctantly. Has the Lord given you a vision for your life? If he hasn't, whoo, boy, it's quiet in here. We, man, maybe we need to talk about vision for a little while. Well, he did, but it didn't happen. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't give you a vision for like tomorrow, like Friday. He gave you a vision for tomorrow. He, the long term. We want it now. You know, Joseph in his dream, he was like, hey, I'm fixing to be the big dog in this family. And God's like, not till you get the stuffing knocked out of you for the next 20 plus years. And then I'll put you in a place where I can elevate you without you getting the big head and being arrogant and taking vengeance on your brothers because eventually they're going to have to come to you just like I showed you in the dream. They're going to have to come to you so that you can distribute to them. I got to make sure I can trust you. Oh, my Lord, have mercy with distribution. I, mm, I got to make sure that I can trust you when the time arrives when I get ready to do something in the world, I've got to make sure that I can prove you and trust you with distribution. So I'm wondering if for the last 20 years, if the Lord has just been proving this church to get us ready to trust us with distribution to fund the revival, not just us, but many. But I want to be a part of it. Can he trust us with the vision? So all this stuff about, well, the Lord showed me he, he's going he's to make me a millionaire. The Lord showed me he's going to do this and that with my life. Well, the question is, why is he going to do that? So you can sit around and count your money. 
or, or is he teaching you the principle of it so that he can funnel it through you? Am I making sense tonight? I'm going to ask you again, has the Lord given you a vision for your life? And if he has, do you have the faith to pursue that no matter how long it takes or what it's going to cost you or how many pits you get thrown in, how many times you're falsely accused, how many times you may end up in some kind of prison, not, not the wrong kind of prison, but, but in some kind of prison, in some kind of test, some kind of tribulation, so that the Lord can put you in a place in some kingdom somewhere to provide distribution to those that may find themselves in a famine. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Since we heard of your faith. Now, not for us, not for us, but I want people to hear of our faith. Because faith is contagious. I, I want God to use us, not so we can pat ourselves on the back and get, or get some level of notoriety, but so that it will, other people will be inspired by that. I have been inspired through the years as a lot of times as a pastor, sometimes you just wonder, is it, is it worth it? And all of a sudden you hear what God has done somewhere else and you say, hold on, I want to get connected to that. I want to find out what they did. I want to find out how long it took. I want to find out what they had to go through. And I, I want to know, is there something that they can give me to get from point A to point B? Faith is inspirational. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. The love which you have to all the saints everywhere around the world. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you. As it is in all the world, everybody say all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. We heard of your faith, we heard of your love for all saints, and it has affected the whole world. Amen. You love the whole world. You're bringing forth fruit for the whole world. Uh, now, we're talking about love. I'm sorry I missed that. Faith and vision. And love. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Everybody say work of faith and labor of love. Remember, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Now, I told you uh, not long ago the Lord gave me a, a message, and it was where Paul was talking uh, to one of the churches, and forgive me for not remembering which church it was, but he's talking to one of the churches saying, hey, you know, we're way over here, and I've told these people about how generous you are and how benevolent you are and how much charity that you have, and you told us that you were going to uh, send an offering over here, and it's been a year now, and I've told them all of the stuff about you that, that you made promise of, and so I'm wondering, are you still going to follow through with that? It, it's, it's time. They need it. They need it now. That's pretty much what the message was about. And it's when we had the buckets up here and there was over 50-something thousand dollars that came in in cash and pledges and was talking about sowing it. You can't get it to... Actually, it was more than that. We had 160-something thousand. I think, I think it was 50-something thousand in cash. And then before the month was out, we ended up having 160-something thousand dollars come in because you can't multiply without without sowing it. So faith... 
and vision and love. And the next one is promise. And a lot of times the Lord calls a promise a vow. James chapter 5 and verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear, swear not neither by heaven nor by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, faith promise is, is not like ATC. We had some people uh, when we did the stewardship deal and we were launching the Answer the Call campaign years ago. And uh, everybody was going to make their commitments that night. And, uh, I mean, we had people pledging sixty dollars and $70,000 that ended up never giving one penny to answer the call. Yeah, that's the truth. That's not an exaggeration. We literally had people pledge sixty dollars to $70,000 and never sowed one penny. And that was not over a few weeks. That was over, that was over a couple of years. Never saw a dime for ATC on that. In Acts chapter 5, that's called lying to the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not a pledge. I've said that. Okay, so this is a faith promise. Uh, now, if you want to come up and say, yeah, I've got the faith. If the Lord give me $10 million, I'll give it to, I'll give it to missions, uh, then wonderful. But I'm pretty sure you don't have the faith for that or you'd already had it. You'd already had $10 million. Okay. So according to your faith, we are going to promise. And when we do, we're not going to lie. Because some of you, God is going to blow your mind how quickly he will begin to supply this. And you're like, oh, we can finally take that overseas vacation that we've been wanting to take. Because if he supplied my vacation, he'll go ahead and supply the rest of it for missions. Be careful when you tell the Lord what you will give to missions. It is, it's not just called faith. It's called faith promise. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Be careful that the Lord is not, is not going to have to look at you and say, I supplied it, you said you would give it, but you, and I supplied it, but you didn't give it. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 5. Are y'all here tonight? Yes. Unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall you seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither you shall bring, listen, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vows, and your free will offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. Don't tell me I take too many offerings. He said, I'm going to provide a house for my glory. And it's going to be a place for you to bring your offerings, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices. Has anybody had to bring uh, a heifer out of the flock and kill it and burn it on the altar here at Greater Faith yet? He said, you're going to bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vows, your free will offerings, and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. Notice tithes and the firstfruits of your herds and flocks are different. And tithes are different than free will offerings. They're different than heave offerings. 
They're different than vows. It's going to be a faith vow, a faith promise. If you will enable me, this is what I will give. Now, the next couple of things uh, that I want to talk about uh, tonight, and there's only there's only three left, um, but these these next two words are so underestimated. Um, I, I say this a lot, but I, I really, and this is going to sound discompassionate with me saying this, and I'm, I don't know if it's discompassionate or not. To me, it's just a fact. The next one is commitment. I, I don't know why people have such a hard time committing to things. You know, I'm seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but I can't even come to church once a month. Or I'm picking and choosing. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I didn't feel good. I'm out of town. So-and-so needed my attention. I'm helping somebody move. You know, I got off work a little bit late. Yeah, that's right. If it had been a party you were going to, you'd have, you'd have drove 100 miles an hour getting home, jumped in the shower, jumped out, and headed to the party. Commitment. It's just not hard. For an hour and a half every Wednesday, you're, you're going to come to this building. And for really an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, Sunday mornings are so tough on everybody, you know. It's an hour and 15 minutes. Boy, you are dead tonight. It's an hour and 15 minutes. And then Sunday night, the most exciting place that you can be in town. It's just not that hard. I don't know how hard that is. 10% in the bucket and the offering that I give to the Lord according to what he tells me to give or out of the expression of my love for him, I just put it in there every time I get an increase. It's not hard. Well, the bills are piling up. No. Bills don't trump They don't trump commitment. 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 I mean, you, you, don't, you don't check out of your marriage every two weeks. Actually, maybe some of you do. I don't know. But commitment is commitment. When you go to that altar, you take a vow to the Lord, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe some people just don't tell the Lord, I, this is what I promise to do. I promise to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Maybe that's what it is. I don't understand how... How hard it is for people to be committed to the house of God and to their relationship with God. Well, in order for you to be successful in this venture that this church is launching out into, you're going to have to be committed through thick and thin. There's going to be some times that it's tough to write that check to missions because there's other things you want to spend it on and and things are getting tight around the house and gas prices are going up and... And, and, and all this stuff is going on in the nation's economy. It's going to be tough to be committed. But commitment is required for everything. You're not going, you're not going to tell me there's going to be wishy-washy people in heaven. There's not going to be any flaky people in heaven. I hate flaky. If you're not going to do it, just don't tell me you're going to do it. If you're going to do it, please do it. If you're not going to do it, just don't open your mouth. Quit, quit, you know, writing checks that you're, you know, with your mouth that, that you can't cash. 
Stop bloviating about what's going to, oh, man, I'm going to beat your chest and all that kind of stuff. And then we see 37 cents out of you. It's, come on, commitment, commitment. Well, you're being mean, Pastor. I'm not. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help. Thank you, Brother Mike Smith. Commitment, commitment, commitment. My goodness, just commit to it. If you'll commit to it, God will be faithful. And it's, and it's not just missions that I'm talking about. It's everything. I don't, I don't understand why I, even, why I even show up for church every once in a while. Why? You're not gleaning anything. Well, I like the music. The preaching is, you know, just a hair above mediocrity. I, I like it, you know, and I like the people that I see. And I feel better. It eases my conscience so I can go home and keep on living like a, a dummy. Why, why come to church every once in a while? That is the stupidest thing. That's like saying, honey, I love you. I, I vow to be, you know, you're, you're faithful and you're faithful and true husband, and, you know, till death do us part. Uh, but I'll only be home a couple of days a month. No relationship works like that. Well, I'm living for God out of church. You're not. Well, I'm going for heaven out of church. You're deceived. Okay, so commitment. Everybody say commitment. Everybody say, I'm not afraid of it. Everybody say, it's not going to beat me. And consistency. The next one is consistency. Consistency. Just doing the right things consistently. Well, I didn't feel 17 angels when I prayed. Did you pray? Did you do what you felt the Lord wanted you to do? Did you tell the Lord what you felt you wanted him to know out of your spirit? Did you pray through in that unknown tongue? Did you allow the spirit of the Lord to pray through me, through you? Yes, I did. Okay? Well, be consistent. Be consistent. And the Lord will do his will in your life. We, we only want it when it's a mountaintop experience, and when it's not, we can't be consistent with this or with it. It's it just doing the right thing over and over and over. Now, I'm not talking about being ineffective, and I'm not talking about just coming in here mumbling words because we're lazy and we really don't want to pray, but we're just kind of marking it off the checklist because we don't get it, want to get in trouble with, with Jesus. But sometimes you can't control the inconsistencies in the world. You, you have no control over things that happen that are extenuating circumstances in your life. But if you'll keep walking and you'll just keep going right ahead and being faithful to the house of God and reading the word of God and asking God for direction and asking him for wisdom and paying your tithes and offering, loving your neighbor, amen, searching your spirit, repenting of the things you need to repent of, it's not always going to be mountaintop. Sometimes it's going to be low. Sometimes it's going to be depression. But you be consistent with that. Well, God hadn't done anything for me lately. Be consistent. He owes you nothing. He gave you everything on Calvary. He's not in debt to us. Consistent. Everybody say be consistent. And the last one is consecration. It's a word that we don't talk about a lot. Consecration. Now, I, I, I'm going to talk about, I'm gonna, there's some different words here used in Scripture that relate to the subject of consecration. Acts chapter 16 and verse 5, 
And so were the churches established in the faith. That's a consecrated church. And increased in number daily. They were established in the faith and they increased in number daily. Don't, don't live for God in spurts. Don't, don't be wishy-washy about your conviction. Well, I, I, I saw some television preacher that said this. I can tell you how to fix that. Turn it off. You're established in the faith. There's a foundation that is built on your life on the measure of your faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Stand fast, watch and stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong. Come on, don't, don't be a wimpy saint of God. Don't, don't be thinking about backsliding every three weeks. Don't, well, it's just not, it's just not going well. And I'm just not coming back. Well, that'll fix it. That will fix it. Everybody that's ever done that in the last 20 years has called me and just said, you know, I, just, I won't be there for a while because I'm just going through hell on earth. Well, that is okay. You're right. I didn't think about that, but you're probably right. That's probably going to fix everything right there. The hell's probably not going to get worse because you leave the church. Well, I'm not paying my tithes because God hadn't blessed me. You pay your tithes because he told you to pay your tithes. Come on, folks. Sometimes, sometimes we treat God like he's a two-year-old. <laughs> if I pout enough, then God will, God will reward me. There's nothing in the scripture that confirms that. Be steadfast in the faith. Stand fast and be established. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. This is the word tonight. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And then in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Established in the faith, rooted and built up in him. Faith. Vision, love, love for the lost, love for the kingdom of God, love for the souls of the world, promise or vow, commitment, consistency, and consecration. These are the components of a million-dollar mission. Now, without a vision, the people perish. People have talked to me through the years. As a matter of fact, somebody was talking to me recently. I, I uh, don't remember how it was. They phrased it and where it was, and, and I'm, I think I remember who it is, but I'm not for certain just standing here right now. 
but but they asked me how how I determine, you know, what what's required of the church. I said, well, that's a that's a great question. That's a great question. So the answer to it is, everything in this book right here, from cover to cover, we're responsible for. The books are going to be open. And we're going to be judged even down to every idle word that we speak. We're responsible for this book right here. So, I set the bar as high as I can get it so that everybody has something to grow up to. We're, we're not, we're, see, the seeker-friendly mentality says we got to dumb everything down for the carnal folks and the sinners and the per perverts and the reprobates so that they will feel comfortable in our church. Well, I want them to feel love in our church, but I don't want them to feel comfortable until they stop being a pervert. Jesus and his ministry spent more time driving people away than he did gathering crowds. The crowds gathered for the loaves and fishes, and then he turned to them and said, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part in the kingdom. The Bible said many turned and walked away from him and never followed him again. This, this, is, not, this, is, not the wide, this is not the wide road. This is not the wide gate. This is not broad as the way. This is straight. This is the straight gate and the narrow way. And few there be that find it. And so I'm trying to make the way narrow. I'm trying to make the, the, the gate straight. And I'm trying to set the bar high. Having said all of that, people that will apply principles just like I've taught here tonight, I'm telling you in 2022, we are about to see miracles, signs, and wonders like we have never seen them before. I'm not just saying that. I feel it coming. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands and give praise to God if you believe it. Come on, praise him. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. Stand if you would. Stand if you would. So we've, we've not announced all this yet, but we've got a host of things planned for next year that we feel like are from the Lord. And I talked about this. One of them is going to be in September, uh, and it's going to be an all-nations Sunday. And it is going to be possibly the single most exciting event that we've ever had as a church. Because we're going to tell you about it, we're going to prepare you for it, and you're going to have weeks and months to target people in your circle of influence and add their name to a prayer life, to your prayer life. People that are Muslim, people that are Middle Eastern, people that are from Latin countries and Asian countries, European countries, people that speak English, people that don't speak English, and you're going to pray for them. And this whole congregation is going to dress up like the nations of the world, and we're going to have the flags of the world in this place. And we are going to have an event like no other that is going to break the strongholds 
that holds back a multicultural revival in this church. Now, we're not, we're not going to wait. We're not going to wait until September to do it. I mean, we're going to wait until September for the event. But we're not going to wait until September to start breaking that. But we have to be consistent. And we have to understand that our pre-service prayer meetings, they're not just about like, okay, God, you know, whatever you want to do with me and, you know, be cool if you bless me and thank you for the three goosebumps I feel and what time is it and I don't know, I wish they'd shut up and no. My house should be called a house of prayer for all people. We're praying for a multicultural revival. Would you help us do that? Would you let the Lord, somebody come up to me Sunday night, and this is fine. And they said, I got my country tonight. Well, that's, that's fine. If the Lord gives you a country to intercede and pray for on a daily basis, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But I want him, I want him to take us from country to country to country, bring us back to another country, and then take us forward to other countries. I want us to get, get out a map. Get your, they make maps anymore. Get, get out. Google Earth, get out uh, Apple Maps or Google Maps and, and, and just start going through the map of the world. As you're going through, pray for those countries. Learn where they sit. Learn where they are. Learn the culture of them. Something is going to break in this coming year and God is going to take this church places that it's never gone before. Amen. Would you pray with me real quickly here? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. I thank you for the vision that you've given us. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness upon this place and your mercy. I thank you for every blessing, monetary blessing. I thank you for our health. God, I thank you for keeping us in perfect health. I thank you, Lord, for protecting us from the virus. Not had a single case of the virus since April of 2020. I thank you, Lord, for the protection of the blood. And, Lord, I pray that you would let our eyes and our, our ears, our spirit, Lord God, move into the countries of the world. Place upon us, O oh Lord, the burden that you feel for a world harvest, for a global revival, for an end-time harvest, Lord, of epic proportions, God. In these last days, as we approach the coming of the Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would place nationalities, God, and cultures upon us and help us Lord to do your will to do your will God I pray that you would give every person in this place by December the 12th I mean I pray Lord that you would give us the number that you want us to believe for corporately as a church and individually I pray Lord that you would help us in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name amen God bless you. Let me say this. Uh, I need to see uh, Brother Mike, Sister April, real quickly. And if you're on.